Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. You're listening to the Net Worth Podcast, where we talk all things WTA and handicapping the WTA. As always, I'm Noops, and I'm joined by your favorite, my favorite, one of Twitter's greatest tennis handicappers, depend, no matter how bad of the last month he's had, the wonderful <laughs> Spread Astaire, bright and early. How are you, Spread? Oh, I'm doing great. Hopefully I can have a, a nice bounce back week here in Zuhai to end the season for us. I hope so, too, Spread. Let's dive into a little bit of a recap here in Singapore. I thought it'd be good to go sort of player by player here and, you know, touch on kind of some of our overall thoughts here. Um, you know, start at the top of my list. We have Caroline Wozniacki. We'll talk a little bit about um, the more recent news about her unfortunate um, disease having rheumatoid arthritis. But just in general, what did you think about her this week and how she performed? Uh, obviously, she played pretty well. I thought the surface was suited to her. Um she just, you know, she ran into better players and, you know, she was outplayed, but I didn't think that she played poorly. I thought she uh, acquitted herself well. And, you know, like you said, we will talk about uh, how this uh, announcement of rheumatoid arthritis will affect her, our handicapping of her going forward. Yeah, I thought she had a great week, you know, had a position to pl play in a little Alina Svitolina there in their final match. You know, had she won that 2-0, she'd have been able to make the finals. Um, so a pretty good week from her. I was overall pretty pleased. Moving on to Petra Kvitova, not really the greatest week for her. Um, I, she, she didn't win a single match, did she, Spread? No. she. Uh, that was one of my disappointments. I expected a lot from her just to the fact that she usually uh, does her best against the other top players, and she has a nice head-to-head -head against the top ten. Um, and I, I would chalk that up to fatigue. I mean, she just looked tired out there, um, worn down from the long season. So um, kind of disappointing for her. You know, she wasn't able to end her season on a on a – on a high note, but I think that she will, uh, you know, still looking for big things for her going into 2019. Really disappointing from her. I totally agree on that. Jumping to the next name, Carolina Pliskova. I thought she had a really nice week, someone that I didn't expect to win a lot of matches coming into this week and, and really acquitted herself nicely making the final four. Right. And the only thing that kind of left something to be desired was um, the third set against Stevens, you know, to come out and win 6 0. And then to lose the third set 6-1 really just showed, uh, boy, I mean, that match, we'll talk about a tale of two cities, right? I mean, um, but, I mean, now when you get down to, you know, instead of, you know, not winning a match to criticizing, you know, one poor set, um, she obviously did very well. And I think she has a lot of good things to take into 2019 off this tournament. Really excited to see how she takes this momentum to the next year. I agree. It was overall a pretty impressive tournament for her, even you know, despite the sad and ending there. And one thing I think I'd like to note is she beat Kvitova for the first time. She had never beat her before, and I know they're country women, so um, you know that probably meant a lot to her. Absolutely. Now the biggest the biggest disappointment we had all tournament, I think, was Naomi Osaka um, came out. Now I know the court wasn't really a great court for her, as we found out as the week went on. A really slow surface, and obviously he's a power player, not something great for her. But I, I got to watch a, uh, most of her matches. I think I saw two out of the three. Um, I was disappointed by her effort. What did you think, Spread? Uh, she's always like that, you know. Uh, when we when we got the nice little run at the U.S. Open and stuff, uh, obviously when things are going well, um, you know, you won't see it as much. But, yeah, she's always had problems with kind of um, – and the funny thing is I don't actually chalk it to effort. I think that she just has poor body language. Um, and it, I don't think it necessarily, like, uh, belies how she's really feeling or um, – it's funny because, you know, you wouldn't expect her to be so demonstrative, but she kind of is. Um so overall, I think I was another one where I, I same with Kvitova, I just chalked it up to fatigue, you know, um, and I think for her, it might not have been, well, she did say she had back problems, so that could be it too, but I think it's emotional fatigue as well. Um, winning the Open in the manner she did, and then, you know, uh, doing the Asian swing where, you know, she went from being, you know, a well-known player, but to now, from what I've read, she's like the second biggest star in Japan as far as uh, sports, so... Uh, I think this is a lot for her to handle. I think that she has a nice couple months to go ahead and get used to it, and it'll be very interesting to see how she handles her newfound fame going into the Australian Open. 
That's one of the things I think we both deserve a nice hearty pat on the back for. We talked about last week that she isn't necessarily the most um, comfortable being a celebrity. And the last few weeks and, and months have really put her in a position to have a lot more attention than she's probably used to. And then coming to this event with everyone else and um, you know, taking all the selfies and going out with everybody every night and doing all the interviews and stuff, I'm sure was exhausting. And I, I think we saw that manifest itself on the court. So, um, And the amount of Japanese media there like quadrupled from the year before. So, I mean, they're, they're all definitely there to see her. And so her, her commitments have um, gone up, you know, very intense amount. So um, as she gets some more experience with that, I expect her to handle it better. Also, you know, I mean, she did retire. She has had some back problems, but I don't think that's anything long term. I think she just needs some rest. Yeah, hopefully she'll take the, the off season and, and get herself in good shape for a great year next year. Uh, the next woman, Angelique Kerber. Um, whenever you have tournaments like this, I feel like there's always someone who kind of gets lost. And I'm going to be honest, Spread, I don't remember anything Angelique Kerber did last week. Uh, well, let's see. She lost a tough match to Kiki Burton's because I remember because I took Kerber. Um, and she won the first set 6-1. And then I was pretty upset as she dropped the last two 6-3, Um Let's see what else she... Yeah, I'll have to look these up. Then she beat Osaka, which uh, made sense because the court surface suited her so well compared to Naomi's game. And everybody beat and Osaka. Was, yeah, well, she was able to grind her down. And I mean, she barely beat her. It was 6-4, 5-7, And then um, her last match was uh, is pretty even. 6-3, um, 6-3. And, and, you know, the it, it didn't feel close the whole time. So Sloan just kind of beat her at her own game. Um, so kind of a, a whimper to the end of the year, but Kerber overall had a great year and I don't think she has anything to be ashamed of. And I think this is a, a fine result for her. I mean, obviously she would like to do a little better, but, um, I don't think she's too disappointed. And, um, you know, the Australian open is, is a term she's done well on a surface. She, uh, she definitely excels at. So I expect her to come out of the gate, uh, pretty fast here in 2019. Well, thank you to Miss Kerber for showing up and playing tennis last week. I'm sorry I missed it. And final and... <laughs> Next on the list here, we have Kiki Burtons, uh, a surprise player, someone that I, I know that I, you know, I completely threw away. I'm trying to remember spread. I think you did too last week. We skipped over it pretty quickly, um, but turns out the slow court was absolutely perfect for her. She had a great week, a couple nice comebacks, and was able to actually force her way into the final four. What'd you think of Kiki last week? Right, and so now you know, pretty much we have to reevaluate everything as far as the way that you and I have been <laughs> judging Kiki Burton's because we haven't been doing too well. I know that we were able to adjust at the end of the week and I was able to back her and, and make a couple, uh, couple nice bets. And then I missed her against Vitalina. But if you watch that match, I mean, it could have gone either way. It came down to, you know, the big important points, you know, the 30 forties, you know, converting break points, things of like that. I mean, she could have easily uh, made that final and uh, you know, she lost to the eventual winner. So, I thought it was a great performance by Kiki Burtons, and I think she's someone that we're going to need to hold in higher regard as far as our handicapping here in 2019. Next up, we'll talk about the semifinalist, Sloan Stevens, who had a, a really nice tournament, a couple really big comebacks. Um, I, for one, really enjoyed the match that you were talking a little bit about earlier. Carolina Pliskova comes out, uh, wins the first set 6-0, has a 2-0 lead, and uh, Sloan Stevens' coach comes out and kind of sits down and almost chuckles and goes, well, um... She's playing great, basically, and you're not. So let's try to do a little better. Um, and, you know, after a few minutes of really not even, I'm trying to remember if he even gave her any tennis advice, anything like, you know, how to move, how to, but a couple nice comments. Did we a ever few find out why her normal coach wasn't there? No, I don't think we did. That was one thing. I never, I never found out. Yeah, so. that was one thing we had talked a little bit about during the week off air. And one of the things we want to do a little better job of next year is keeping track of coaching. Um, I think Angelique Kerber is, is now that I'm thinking about back to last week, she yeah, showed up. She fired, she fired her. her coach like the week before or something. Yeah. yeah. So something to keep track of. A little bit of an odd situation again. I'm not sure who it was exactly who came down to talk to Sloane Stevens, but um, whatever he said was exactly what she needed to hear because she came out absolutely on fire to finish that out and make the semifinals um, and actually make the final um, and lose to Alina Svitolina. But you know, before we get to that spread, what do you think of Sloane Stevens' week? I think she did great, and I think that the final, you know, we talked about the scores showing how the match went. I don't think the, I think the final was much closer than, the, you know, 3-6, uh, 6-2, 6-2. I mean, every game was going to do break points, things of that nature. Um, 
really, you know, it was great tennis, and uh, it was just fun to watch. Um, you know, they were dictating the cross-court forehands, and then Svitolina was able to, to redirect her, and Sloan had a lot of answers. And, I mean, it was just great tennis. It, I'm, you, if you just looked at the score, you wouldn't think it was that good a match, but it was a great match. And uh, obviously it was nice to see her kind of get this Asian swing jinx off her back. And I want to note that that's two things that she did this year because – one of the things, you know, obviously we, we weren't doing the pod then, but, you know, I had mentioned in our chat that um, Sloan didn't do well in Europe going into the year. So the idea was we were going to fade her um, on, you know, the European swing, you know, the French Open and, and Wimbledon, that swing, the, the clay and the grass. And uh, she was able to turn that around, too. So she's able to, you know, before, you know, going into this year, you know, if we were to do this in 2017, I would have said, you know, back her in America and North America you know, and Fader in the other continents. But now she's really proven to be an international player. Totally agree. One of the nice things about this week, there was a lot of um, famous former players at the event. Uh, one of the, and they all took turns sort of coming up to the booth and announcing and sort of giving their thoughts. One of my favorite moments was Billie Jean King talking about Sloane Stevens for a little bit and, and really challenged her, um, talking about how Sloane is someone she watches and sees, you know, every ability that you need to be great at tennis, has every single thing that you could want in your toolbox to really be a fantastic player and win a lot of matches. But what disappointed Billie Jean King was how inconsistent she is and um, really kind of challenged her in a very polite way. And, and, you know, I hope Sloane got a chance to hear that and really take it to heart. Um, you know, not sort of the challenge of disappointment, the challenge of yearning, really. You could hear in Billie Jean King's voice that she wanted Sloane Stevens to, to fulfill, you know, the, the peak of her powers and be as great as she could be. So um, I think it's, we have an exciting year coming up for her. You know, it should be a bright future for Sloane, and she really has everything in front of her. Definitely. I mean, 2019, she's got to be one of the, uh, you know, she, we're, she's gonna, we're gonna be talking about her on every big tournament we preview as a, as a potential uh, finalist, as someone we potentially could be back in here with our outright. So expect big things from Stevens, and really, um, you know, we didn't know what to expect from her going into the tournament, and she definitely played well. Well, we've come to now my my favorite moment of the podcast. I've been looking <laughs> forward to this all week. Um, as some of you may remember last week, I brought up the idea that I expected Alina Svitolina to do very well in, in Singapore this week. And um, I don't know, Spread, how I would describe what your reaction was. It was a, a scoff, a, a chuckle, uh, just completely threw that idea out and, and just really laughed at me. And um, how'd she do? <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> She was, uh, I was pretty dismissive of her chances. I, I really was not impressed with her form going into the tournament. And boy, she looked great. She played great. <laughs> and like I tweeted her, I said, do you just have a charity I can send money to next time instead of betting against you? Because, it, I mean, it just felt like I was throwing it away some of these times when I watched her get out there and um, the way she blends offense and defense. And that's why I love the final was, um, they both have such good all-court games where they can both go to the net, they can both defend, they can both take advantage of, of your opponent's mistakes. So, um, I mean, overall, it's great for the WTA. You know, all these women playing well. I, I'd rather have a tournament we go into where there's 16 possible winners where, you know, over on the ATP side, you just kind of hash between Djokovic, Federer, Nadal, and then maybe a wild card, you know, that you might think, you know, might go Maybe a little Del Potro for our buddy great Pete. value. Yeah, if he's even going to play again. But, um, you know, uh, the women's side, you know, I mean, we're going to be going to the Australian Open next year with probably like 16 to 20 women who realistically have a chance to win it. So uh, good to see that Svitolina's returned. Um, I actually had a lot. Of, you know, I, I was backing her a lot there, you know, earlier in the summer and, you know, at the Masters 1000s. And, in fact, I mean, I was so certain she was going to win the French Open the way her clay court swing went. So, um you know, I've had a real roller coaster with my endorsements of her, and obviously, you know, ended with a nice little slide. But uh, congratulations to you for seeing that, because I definitely was not able to. Well, thank you. It, it feels really, really good. I mean, at the end of the day, it isn't just all about the money. Um, it really is about being right and you being wrong, because that happens really very few times. So I like to cherish well, I want to congratulate you. That, I think that's the first outright we've hit. Like, we're on our seventh pod, right? And that's the first one we've hit, right? Oh, we've had a couple no. that were hedgeable and profitable. We should have talked about this before we started. Even if that's true, we should have never admitted it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've had some nice ones where, you know, we had some 20-to-1s that we were able to hedge in the semifinals and be profitable. But, um, 
I think that was the first one we've hit straight yeah, out. I think one of our goals for next year will be to do a little better job of tracking those outrights. Um, you know, with the format of the pod and the timing and everything, we can only really give out some outrights. And we do a pretty good job of tracking our game-by-game picks on our Twitters. You know, again, you can find Spread at Spread Astaire and myself at underscore noops. And uh, we do a pretty good job of tracking our day-to-day stuff. But let's let's do a better job next year of keeping track of our outrights. And hopefully we can we can find out that, you know, we want more than one or two. Yeah, excellent. So I think that puts a nice bow on Singapore. It was a really great week. I guess the only other thing I wanted to add, um, I was thinking while you were talking there about uh, Svitolina's year. You know, this year we had two women, Caroline Wozniacki and Simona Halep, win their first major. Um, you know, sorry, their first Grand Slam. But you know, Svitolina still isn't there yet, and we always talk about how bad she does in the Slam. So hopefully she can take this success in a big tournament and, and apply it to next year. And someone I'll be looking to hopefully grab in one of those four majors, but. Um, unless you have it. And she mentioned that, too. Um, I don't know if it was the on-court interview or just a, I think it was the off-court interview, you know, in the press conference. But, you know, she basically called this, the, as far as tournament style, um, you know, the biggest win of her career. Obviously, she's won, you know, some uh, premier mandatories, which are a 1,000 points. But um, she definitely said that she expects to use this, you know, as confidence going into the majors next year. So, um, we're obviously going to have to have some confidence in here, too. Absolutely. So looking forward to her year next year. Um, now, as we mentioned earlier, there was some, some rough news towards the end of the week here. Caroline Wozniacki talked about how, um, I believe it was just before, just after the U.S. Open, uh, received the diagnosis of having rheumatoid arthritis. Um, now, rheumatoid arthritis is something that I think a lot of people have heard of before, maybe not know exactly what it is. Um, to start off, it's an autoimmune uh, deficiency. Now, your autoimmune system is the part of the body that's job is to keep you safe, to fight diseases, to fight illnesses, to keep you know, bad things from happening. The, ease, the most obvious example of this is white blood cells. You, know, you hear about that as you're growing up in science class. You have white blood cells in your body, and they go and attack um, different diseases and things that are in your body. That's just part of your autoimmune system. And what rheumatoid arthritis does in particular, it unfortunately forces your body to look at all your different joints and identifies healthy joints as if they were unhealthy. Now, when your body sees an unhealthy joint, it has it reacts in a couple ways. Um, one of those ways is it creates a lot of inflammation. You have swelling, um, you have pain, you know, anybody that's turned an ankle, jammed a finger, you know, you can see that pretty severely. You look at your hand, your hand looks swollen, you look at your ankle, it blows up, you know, like a ball almost, you put a lot of ice on it and you can see that come down. So people that have rheumatoid arthritis, unfortunately, have healthy joints but are experiencing this inflammation and pain um, sometimes on a regular basis. Now. There's no cure, unfortunately, for this disease yet. However, there's a lot of treatments, but the treatments really only affect the symptoms. So, you know, it helps keep the pain down, helps keep the inflammation down. There's not a lot of preventative measures. So, you know, when we think about Caroline Wozniacki as a tennis player going forward, what I expect is this to really limit her ability to play in tournaments and to possibly play long at a tournaments. She should be able to, you know, in when she's healthy, when she's not experiencing the symptoms of the disease, when she's able to keep things under control, should have access to you know the, her full set of abilities. Um, but what we are really going to see here is, I think, I expect her to be withdrawing from a lot of tournaments. We're going to see retirements, things like that. Um, but overall, if she's in a match and she's playing, it's not really something that should spring up you know during the middle of a match. So. You know, from a handicapping perspective, you know, look for her to maybe play a little less tournaments. You know, when you're thinking about outrights for Caroline Wozniacki, um, as these tournaments go on longer, there's more and more of a chance that the symptoms pop up at some point. So probably someone that will be devaluing a little bit from that perspective. But, you know, obviously what's what's most important here really is the human element. And, you know, I know spread that, you know, you and I hearts go out to Caroline Wozniacki and, and hopefully she can manage this disease and, you know, live a life that's comfortable for her, you know, outside of tennis, most important of all. Yeah, and you, it's funny because she's younger than you realize because she's won so many tournaments. You know, looking it up when we were talking about it, she's won 30 WTA titles. Um, she's only 28 years old. I, um, You know, and obviously in the old days, that would have been ancient for a tennis player. But uh, nowadays, you know, it looks like she could have had, you know, if this never happened, we would have at least penciled her in for four more solid years no matter what. So it'll be interesting to see how we handicap it going forward. But... I just wanted to thank you for that because I told you that I needed to do some research on it. 
And then uh, I think with that explanation, I actually have a pretty good understanding of the disease now. So yeah, you're welcome. You. And, you know, I'm not a doctor of any sort. I, I do work in the pharmaceutical industry, so I'm familiar with this stuff. Um, but, you know, please reach out to other professionals with, with more serious questions. But, you know, in general, it should be something that hopefully she can manage. And, you know, again, I expect her to be out, out playing some good tennis, you know, hopefully long into tournaments and still being able to win. But just unfortunate that she'll be having to deal with that. So best of luck to you, Caroline Wozniacki, as I'm sure you're listening now. So let's dive into next week. We have an event, the WTA Elite Trophy, a tournament in Zuhai with 12 women broken down into four groups. So similar to last week, we have a round-robin style here. Um, so we'll try to keep that into mind as we go in. And I thought what would be good spread, let's take a look at each group individually, try to see if we can pick um, the winner of each. And then, um, you know, after we go through each of the groups, we'll circle back and maybe try to project out each match since, you know, we know who's in it and we know who's going to play who. So starting off here. All right. Let me jump in with the yeah, format please. real quick. So this is going to be slightly different than last week. Last week we had, um, three, four women or, uh, four. This time we have three, four women groups. So while well, they had four in their group last time, they had two, uh, four women groups. So this is 12 to eight is the difference. Um, so, and then the tiebreaker is going to go greatest number of wins, greatest number of matches played, which I thought was odd, um, head to head results. And then in a three way tie, it'll be percentage of sets one. And then percentage of games one will be the final. Um, so very interesting. I, I kind of like this one a little better with the, the three, the three by four, um, the WTA Elite Trophy has been going on for four years. The uh, past champion, the Gorgas, is the defending champion. And um, before that, I had it pulled up. Let me pull it back up. We have had uh, – I'll get back to that one later. But, um, yeah, other than that, let's go into the draw. So starting, we'll do the groups alphabetically here. In the Azalea group, we have Kyung Wang, Madison Keys, and Daria Kasatkina. What do you see in their spread? Who do you think is going to come out of that group? So this is my favorite group out of all of them um, because I just think there's a lot of fun going on here um, with the groups. And, of course, you know I like Wang. I like the way she's been playing, but I think that she got stuck in the toughest group. Um, now, we talked about Keys before and how we didn't really know what to expect for her, but the surface... Um, the surface suits her very well, I think, you know, indoor. And I don't know how fa I wasn't able to actually quantify how fast it was, but now that I've got it and remembered, the past, the, the, this is the fourth year of the event, and the winners are Gorgas. The year before was Kvitova, and the year before was Venus Williams. So obviously players that always excel um, on the faster hardcore services, which really led me to believe that um, this court is going to play a lot faster than the tennis we watched in Singapore last week. So... Um, that should be uh, interesting to do. So I, out of this group, you know, I, I do like Wang because I think this home court advantage matters so much. Um, but I don't think she gets the same advantage here against Kasatkina, who was a alternate in Singapore. So she's definitely there and adjusted to the time zone. And then the wild card is Madison Keys because at her best, Madison Keys, unfortunately, I think could beat both. Well, not unfortunately, but unfortunately for my bad if I put it on Wang. And I know that you were thinking about uh, putting Kasatkina. But at her best, I, I think she can beat both these players in these conditions. So, uh, complete. I, I really expect a lot from the winner coming out of this group. Um, and I'm going to, right now, uh, I haven't placed it yet. But if I right now, I'm looking at Wang as my outright. And just my idea that um, Keys will not be her best and she's not 100% yet. And I've had bad... <laughs> problems guessing um the health before but uh i guess we'll <laughs> just keep plugging away and i think wayne kasakina is going to be an incredible match um two women in great form right now that have had some good victories so i really like this group a lot but i'd favor this wayne is such a out. tough group um the more and more i look at it you're it really does i think you hit the nail right in the head it comes down to madison keys if madison keys healthy um, I think she can beat both of these women without too much trouble. Uh, the court should set up nicely for her power and her ability to just to hold serve should, should work really nicely here. But it's so hard to tell. Um, played two tournaments since the U.S. Open. Um, won one match in Wuhan and then retired in her next match. Won one match in Beijing and then um, actually took a walkover. So didn't even uh, get to her second round match at all. Um, so you got to kind of write her off, at, especially at 11 to 1. 
not really a lot of great value there, but someone I'll be looking to see if, if she comes out in the first match or two and looks really, really healthy and is, is hitting the ball nicely. I'll jump on her pretty quickly this week, but um, I do. I like Wang Chung. You know, she's uh, got the home court advantage that worked so well for her in those matches in China. I expect the crowd to be with her this week, and you know, Kasakina is, is a really great player, but this is going to be a faster surface, not necessarily the best for her, and you know, she just won her Super Bowl. She won the tournament in Moscow. That's what her whole year, I think, was building up to. So I expect this to be kind of a letdown for her. So at 7.5 to 1, I'm going to join you on, on Keong Wang. All Jumping right. into the next group here, we have the Camellia group. I believe these are all named after flower spread, but I'm not smart enough to know that, nor am I... Uh, eager enough to look it up but i believe we have flowers here and in this group um this group stinks we have garbina muguruza anastasia sevastova and, and shui zhang um and i'm gonna dive right in here first garbina muguruza is one of the most frustrating players to handicap i think of any woman in tennis she could beat just about anybody if she were to come out and give a full effort and she could lose to absolutely anybody because sometimes she just doesn't care it's so hard to figure out what she's going to do i think she's the most talented player in this group but uh, you know given her her lack of consistency i, I don't think i can invest any of my money there um Chui zhang here is a wild card really has the most questionable numbers um you know, once we get done here and we put up the podcast, I'll be tweeting out a cheat sheet just like I had last week. And what you'll be able to see there when you get a chance to look at it is, you know, the average rank faced for Shui Zhang is 100, 102. So on average, she placed the hundred and she played the hundred and set second best um, player in tennis. Now that's the lowest average that you'll see from just about anybody on here. Everybody else is looking somewhere between the 40s and 60s. You know, only averaging plus one game in those matches, 22 and 16 against. There's some really questionable competition. So, um, you know, I think she really gets the local wild card here um, from her support in China, but I don't think too much of any of her. And that leaves me with Anastasia Sevastova, um, a tough player to bet on, not terribly consistent, hard to watch. You know, one of the things that we struggle with in women's tennis is you have some crying sometimes, and she is one that is certainly guilty of that. But I'm going to hold my nose and grab some Anastasia Sevastova outright at 10-1 to 1 because I think she's in a great spot to win this group. Um, I don't expect Muguruza to really put forth a, a full effort here. You know, like I said, Shui Zhang, it's nice that she's here, but I don't expect her to win any tennis matches. So at 10-1, to 1, um, the math part of me just loves that value. What do you think? Yeah, you're going math on there. I, I, I agree with you. I like her to advance there, but I don't see how if she gets to the Final Four... Um, with the potential people she uh, she's going to be facing on a quicker indoor surface, I don't, I can't see her winning, you know, the semifinals and the and the finals. So if you're looking from a hedge perspective, um, you know, because obviously I can be wrong. Look at me with Spitalina last week. Um, you know, I do like the ten to one, and I actually do like her to advance out of the group. But like you said, what if motivated Garbine shows up? Motivated Garbine beats her, so you know that would be problems. And then, like I said, I just don't see her being able to, you know, on a quick indoor court, you know, against potentially, you know, a Sabalenka, a Barty, a Gorgas, you know, Keys, you know, even Wang, I think you give her problems here. So um, I do like her to advance out of this group, but I don't, I will be, you know what, we're going to have a lot of fun on the pod next week if a Camellia group member wins this tournament because I just don't I see I do agree with you on that. A t- 10 to 1, it really is more of a value play and something I'll be looking to hedge against should she make the final four, um, you know, either with some other outrights or just bet against, you know, whoever she's playing in, in that round. Um, but tough group, tough group. You know, we'd love to see Garbina Muguruza, um, who I'm sure is listening. You know, please go out. Give it your all next week. Really, really try hard. It's a lot of fun to watch you play tennis when you're motivated, and we would love to see it. Um, and I think from a, just if you were, you know, handicapping this as just a spectator, I think Garbina's the one you'd want to advance. If she shows up and, you know, has two dominant victories and looks like, you know, what are the two names we have for her, right? When she loses, Garbine Muguruza-useless. <laughs> or if she's, you know, hopefully Garbine Muguruza-ruthless. If we get Garbine Muguruza-ruthless going into the semis, I think this is, could be really exciting. So from a spectator perspective, I'd be, uh, I'll be rooting for her. I do not know if I'll be putting any of the uh, money that I lost on uh, Spitalina <laughs> well, on you her. can't. You lost that money. <laughs> Yeah, I know. The money that I earned after I lost because I had to go right, to work. That's right. It's, it's an important <laughs> reminder for Thank all you. the listeners. We do have day jobs. So, um, 
careful. <laughs> so I think that wraps up the Camellia group. Let's do, let's jump into Orchid here. Um, this is my favorite group. Arena Sabalenka, Ashley Barty, Caroline Garcia, three really fantastic players. Um, as everyone knows by now, Arena, the Amazonian warrior Sabalenka, still um, holding the torch as my absolute favorite player, and I love her in this group. Um, she's got a she'll have a tough match with Ashley Barty, but I think she should take care of Caroline Garcia without too much trouble. Um, However, at five to one, I don't think that I'll be making an investment. But what do you think, Spread? Is anybody going to beat my girl, Arena? Um, she's got a tough group, honestly. I, I I don't think that this group set up that well for her, you know. Compared to if you threw her in the Camellia group, I mean, right? I mean, you switch her and Garbine out, we we'd just be like, I'd be walking her into the semis already. Um, but Ash Barty plays very well on quick services for. Um, you know, not being the tallest girl, she has a fantastic serve, a great all-court game, and uh, really has the ability to mix pace. And same with Carol, she's got a very nice serve too, so she can she can excel on the fast surfaces too. I think that she got a very tough group, um, but like I said, I think the surface and being indoors is really going to uh, to help her out a lot. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Sabalenka to advance. All right, I always like it when you agree with me on Arita Sabalenka. And then finally, the last group, we have the Rose group. Last year's defending champion, Julia Gorgeous, Elise Mertens, and Annette Contivate. What do you see there, Spread? I think that this uh, set up well for Gorgeous to advance because uh, I don't think the surface is going to play very well at all for Mertens. Um, and same with Contivate. I think both of those women would prefer a slower. They would have. Both these women would have loved to play in Singapore last week, let me put it that way. Um, so I really like Gorgas to advance here, and um, I don't think she has the best number for the outright, you know, being the defending champion, only at 6-1, to one, but um, I think the thing's really set up well for her here. Um, so it'll be interesting to see Mertens play Contavite in the round-robin area. Um, I kind of, uh, right now I'd favor Contavite. I think that she's got a little more power, and I think that's going to, you know, suit her here. But... Um, Overall, this should be a this should be a fun group for matches, but I think Gorgas can advance. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. I don't expect too much trouble for, for Julia Gorgas in this group, and uh, six to one seems like a really really great price. Um, she's not even the favorite to win the tournament. I mean, like I said, Sabalenka's five to one. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other lower numbers, but at six to one, uh, I think I can pretty comfortably have a place for her in the final four, and probably a favorite, you know, against whoever comes out of maybe the other group, or at the very least, which should be a close money line there. So another really good position to be in. So I'll have some Julia Gorgeous at six to one, and some Anastasia Sevastova ten to one, um, and then for, I think the last one, and then you had Kyung Wang at seven and a half to one. Did I miss anybody? Yeah, that was pretty much... I think that's the only one I'm going to play. I think I'm going to play uh, Keon Wang, and that's it. Um, Sabalenka, 5-1 to one is good, but I don't know. Like I said, she's got a tough first group, so she might not even advance. And then, um, you know, obviously, once you get to the semis, you're going to be playing against, you know, the other players that make it are going to be playing well. So I don't really like 5-1 to one here as an outright. Even at 7.5-1, to one, I think that I don't didn't really like the value on Wang. I was hoping to get more. Um so it's interesting how close that they, they line Yeah, let's dive into here. some of the actual matches. So we have lines here right now um, for three matches. Let's take a look at those, and then, like we did last week, we'll go out and just try to project roughly what we think the line's going to be um, for, the, for the remaining matches. So starting with um, Arena Sabalenka and Ashley Barty. I'm seeing on Bovada right now, Arena Sabalenka minus 160, Ashley Barty plus 120, a total of 22 and a half games. Um, I think that number's pretty close to right. Um, you know, from a head-to-head -head perspective, only two matches. Sabalenka beat Barty in Wuhan um, just of, just about a month or so ago, 7-6, 6-4. So a tight match, a long match, a total of 23 there. And then they had a three-set match in the Australian Open earlier in the year in January, actually Barty winning 6-7, 6-4, 6-4. So, um, you know, the total of 22.5 is an absolutely monster number for a WTA match. I, I can't remember the last time there was a, a total this high in a WTA match, but gosh, over seems nice, but I'll probably end up staying away from that. What do you think, Spread? You like the money line at all? I, yeah, but I'd parlay it. I don't, I don't want to lay minus 160. I would try and find another, um, you know, big favorite that I that I expect to win. And with only three lines out, I don't know who I'd put her with because Contavite and Wang are both kind of close. So, um, 
you know, if I do decide to go ahead and have some action on that one, I would go ahead and put Sabalenka in an open parlay. But, um, you know, still licking my wounds from last week. I might just be a fun spectator. I'll be going for that back and match. forth on that, but I, I like that idea. Kind of maybe parlay her with something or leave that open. But um, that'll be an absolutely fun match. And I think, you know, like we were talking, that's the match that kind of decides the group. Whoever wins the Arena Sabalenka Ashley Barty match is in really good shape if they can beat Caroline Garcia. You know, don't mean to write Caroline Garcia off, but I don't think she's necessarily the same quality of player as those two. So that'll be a fun, really um, interesting match right off right off the bat. Um, unfortunately, it's at 2 o'clock in the morning my time, so uh, maybe I'll take a nap and get back up, but you'll have to tell me all about it. The second match we have a line for, Elise Mertens is playing Annette Contivate. Um, now, you mentioned that you'd have Annette Contivate, a slight favorite, and Bovada agrees here at minus 130, Elise Mertens plus 110, a total of 21 and a half. Um, now, I'm curious to hear why you would make Annette Contivate a favorite. Like I said, I'm going to be releasing my little cheat sheet and taking a look at some numbers here. Um, you know, Elise Mertens averaging plus 2.4 games almost on hard courts versus Annette Contivate, you know, plus almost only 0.8 games on hard courts. Um, you know, Mertens 25 and 12, Contivate 19 11. So what I see is someone, you know, Mertens should clearly be a better player than Contivate. I, I, I think I'm going to probably end up on Mertens plus 110, but talk me out of it. Well, I think you know. I think we'll just end up on opposite sides because obviously your numbers do dictate that. The only thing that I would mention there is on your average ranked faced, um, Contivite at forty seven point nine was the second highest player here on your on your sheet. The only one higher was Casacina uh, had an average ranked faced of forty five point nine. Um, so obviously Contivite has been playing very tough matches, um, and the main reason I'm going to pick her is just stylistically. I think that she has the ability um, to crank up the offense a little more than Mertens. And that I think that she'll be able to, um, you know, just just win, get uh, control points, dictate points, and hit more winners. I think really the key this here, and where I, if I lose, it'll be if Contavite can't get her first serve in because um, Mertens will take advantage of a weak second serve. So Contavite, in order for her to, and I probably will be placing this one. I do like this one. Uh, minus 130, that's, that's fine. I don't mind my, laying minus 130. My cutoff is usually about minus 150 for laying juice. Minus 140, I don't really like either. But uh, minus 130, I'm completely fine with. And um, I just think the stylistically, it matches up really well. well I'm looking forward to being on the other side of that. And hopefully, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, the, the third match that we actually have odds for here, um, another big match in terms of determining the group. Uh, the Azalea group looks like probably comes down to the winner of the match that we have, Daria Kasatkina playing Kyung uh, Wang. Uh, we have Wang as a slight favorite here, minus 120. I think I like Wang. I think minus 120 is a really nice price. I, I think I'd probably put her somewhere more in the range of minus 150, minus 160. What do you think it's spread? Really? You go that uh, on their head-to-head? Isn't uh, has Wang ever won? Let me see. I pulled Dasha? that up. I believe she has. Let me look. I had that up earlier. Yeah, it was a few years ago at the U.S. Open. I mean, they played four times. Once this year in Madrid on clay. I don't care about that. I'm going to throw that out. They played the U.S. Open last year. It was a tough three-set match. Daria Kasatkina came back after losing a first-set tiebreaker to win six-seven, six-two-six-three, and then they played in Doha in 2016. Again, another tough three-set match that Kasatkina. Um, one six one two six six three, but you know again I think given the home court that we talked about, given um, what I'm expecting to be a letdown week for Daria Kasatkina, um, minus one twenty seems like a great price for me. But it sounds like you're a little hesitant. And, and you know I'll, I'll probably end up placing it because um, you know basically Wang has earned me some loyalty by just winning me so much money on this this Asian swing so far. Um, you know, but I think stylistically it is going to be tougher. I think that Dasha does a lot of things that um, Keon Wang does very well. Um, so it really be um, you know who can be the best version of themselves because they 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 really play the same style of game. And um, you know I hate to just harp on this so much, but I think first serve percentage again will be key to the match. I think that if at the end of the first set. You know, when they put the stats up, whoever had the higher first serve percentage wound up winning that set because both women just crushed these second serves, and neither woman really has a second serve to be afraid of at all. Um, so just off of, um, like you said, the home court, um, I, I, I do favor Wang. 
here, but um, I'll tell you what, this is a great matching of the, the three that we have lines for. This is the one that I'm I excited. So let's go through, like I said, the rest of the tournament. And then what I'll do is I'll give, I'll give out um, a matchup spread and you can tell me what you think the spread would be. Um, and we'll kind of just go through each one a little back and forth here and see, you know, I think you're going to, I think you got a notepad down there next to you and we'll keep track of them and see how we do. So starting with the Azalea group right. again, we've already got a line for uh, Wang versus Kasekina. So how about Wang versus Keys? Wang versus Keys. Right now, I have as a pick 'em. If you go at, um, so obviously Keys has uh, beat her before in the head-to-head. -head. I don't think Wang has ever beat her. Let me double check. But uh, this is the typical, you know, just form versus talent. You know, Keys at her best, I think wins. But we don't really know what to expect. Yes, I'm correct. Uh, Keys is 2-0. She won at the Australian Open and then again at Doha. So that was the beginning of the year. Obviously, um, Wang has improved a lot this year. So I do like that. But, um, you know, if Keys comes out and plays her best, she wins this match. Um, but like I said, that's a complete unknown. So I lined it as I, a pick I would have Wang a slight favorite there. It's, it'll be tough. I, I don't know if this will be the first or second match we see Madison Keys play. That'll obviously be a big determinant of what the line looks like. But I, th I think... I think that'll be okay. Keys' I think, first um, match. I'm expecting Wang to be a little bit of a yeah. favorite, closer to minus 120, minus 130. Um, but if I could get her pretty close to a pick em, especially in Madison Keys' first match... Um, Oh, no, excuse me. Keys okay. will play Casa Kina So this first. will be the second match, and like. then we'll have a little better feel for um, what Madison Keys looks like. Um, so it'll be a tough match. I think you're right. It'd hopefully be close to pick them. I would probably lean maybe Wang minus 120, even as much as minus 130. But overall, it should be a pretty close line. Um, now, that other match you just mentioned, that's the last match we have in the group. So Madison Keys, Daria, Casa Kina. Who's the favorite there, Spread? Let's see. I put... Um Keys is a slight favorite at minus 120, and uh, once again, I think I'm going off the head-to-head -head when I'm doing that. Um, I don't think Kasekin is beater. Let me double-check. This flash score isn't as fast as Yeah, I, th I think I'm in agreement, though. Minus um, 120, that sounds about right. Um, you know, if we knew Madison Keys was healthy and, and was, you know, playing at her absolute best, I think she'd be a much bigger favorite, actually. I think she'd probably be in the range of, like, minus 170, minus right. 180, um, something like that. So I think, I think I agree with you there on the, on the minus 120. She's 3-0 and against her, but none of the matches were in 2018. Their last time they played was in Cincinnati in, in 2017. So obviously there's a lot of change since then, and we don't need to really put that much into it um, as far as the head-to-head. -head. Uh, but it's a tough matchup for, for Kasekina because Kasekina has so many problems um, holding serve um, when she's not getting her first serve in, and then Keys can hold serve fairly easily, and she almost neutralizes um, one of Dasha's biggest strengths, which is the return of serve. So um, I would favor Dasha just off form, but as we saw with Svitolina, right? I mean, I was trashing Svitolina's form going into the tournament, um, but when you have the more talented player, if they show up ready to go, um, you know, these past results, you know, the, the, this bad Asian swing doesn't matter. Um, so right now, like I said, I would favor Kazakina, but if we're t sitting here next week, or, you know, we do another quick uh, semifinals pod and we're discussing Madison Keys in the semifinal. I would not be that surprised. I agree. So let's dive into the Camellia group. We don't have any lines actually for here, so we'll do all the matches. So start off here, uh, Garbina Muguruza against Anastasia Sevastova. All right. Um, I don't know. What, what yeah, aren't you I, guess I, first I think, I think I'd have, <laughs> I think you have to make uh, Muguruza the favorite. Um, She's the she's the higher class of tennis player. I think I'd probably have Muguruz in the range of. I'm, I was thinking minus one fifty, but that feels maybe a little deep. Maybe maybe minus one forty, but somewhere kind of in that range. You know, maybe as deep as minus one sixty. Um, you know, again, if we find out Muguruz is really trying hard and playing well, I could see it being even deeper than that. But I think you know, given everything we have in front of us right now, minus one forty, minus one fifty makes sense. Right, and they haven't played since the Australian Open in 2017, so I'm not going to put too much weight into the head-to-head. -head. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think about minus 135, minus 140 seems about right. At what point is their value on, on Sevastova, right? I mean, obviously, at plus 200, we're taking Sevastova. What's the... What's the cutoff for you if you were to actually support Sevastova? I think in this plus one? 160 or better. I'm thinking long and hard about it. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's about, that's about right to me. I was thinking about plus 175 or higher is when I would have to, even though I think Muguruza is when I would think that Sevastova 
has enough chance where yeah. that's the right All right, play. so the, another match we'll have Garbina Muguruza will play Shuai Zhang. Um, I would make Muguruza a pretty big favorite here. I don't think minus 200 is completely out of the question, but probably settle it somewhere at minus 180. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah? got that one higher. <laughs> I have that one at okay, minus two, so. 220. I I don't see how I, I mean like Zhang is the name um, that really doesn't belong in this whole list. I think that they all you know when we're looking through. I mean and maybe I'll end up eating my words again, but when we're looking through, I'm thinking that she's the one woman that I just don't give a chance to win this tournament at all. Um, so I think I think this is gonna be a huge favorite, and I think the matchup is great for Muguruza. I don't think Zhang does a lot of things to trouble her. I think they'd allow Muguruza. Um, decide whether or not she wants to you know hit some balls play some tennis or just put it away right away um so i really like muguruza in this one and uh, i'd have to get at least like plus 250 with zang to even consider and finally anastasia sevastova playing shui zang again i'd sevastova would be a pretty big favorite i think 150 160 is probably right in range um and i i'm putting it like minus 180 there I'm going to give Zhang a, l- a little more credit. She's at, she's at home, so she's got that little advantage to her. I think that'll probably make the prices on her a little cheap. Um, you know, I haven't pulled up this the head-to-head with her and Sevastova, but... All right, I got it for you. Um, all three on clay. Sevastova's won in 2017 and 2015, and Zhang won way back in All right, so that's pretty much useless. Um, wrong surface, all old matches. Yeah. I'm just thinking if Sevastova comes out, you know, gets gets beaten by Muguruza, I could actually see Zhang maybe being a live dog to get one at home because Sevastova's not someone for me that um, is mentally strong enough to really hold it down. So, um, you know, I know we've been kind of trashing Swai Zhang here for the last half an hour, um, but if there was a chance, I think that's her chance. Yeah, and I, I just, I don't see it. I, I, uh, out of everyone, I mean, <laughs> I just don't see her. She got, a, she got a tough group here. I think that uh, Sevastopol is just, just too tough, and she, she does the same things that Zane does, just better. All right, let's so. dive into Orchid. You know, we have the Sabalenka Barty line we talked about. So, how about Sabalenka Garcia? Sabalenka Garcia. I will put that at. Gosh, that's pretty close. I'd probably put Sabs at minus 125 just because the surface is I would have her bigger than that. I think she'd be as much as minus 140. I mean, well, actually, let's let's think about it this way. So if she's if Sabalenka's minus 160 against Ashley Barty, doesn't she have to be at least minus 160 against Caroline Garcia? I would say Caroline Garcia is a far more that's complicated interesting. than I, I Barty, would, I would tend to disagree with that. So, all right. So if, if that's your thinking, then I can understand why you're a little bit shorter, but... I mean, they're ranked 18th right. and 19th, so maybe I'm yeah. wrong on that, but maybe they are closer than uh, I'm giving them credit so for. So I would, you know, maybe it's it's eyes versus results there a little bit. Caroline Garcia, I think, is the more talented player when you watch her, but doesn't win and, you know, nearly have the same craftiness as a player like Ashley Barty. But, you know, again, circling back to, I think, my, my original point here is, you know, if Sevalink is minus 160 against Barty, she's got to be pretty close to minus 160 against Garcia. So I think maybe 140 is probably a little short, but you're in the right neighborhood. All right, let's see what they were. They played in uh, Beijing. Sound like a Garcia. And let me see. Yeah, and it looked like at that time. Oh, I don't know. I don't know how to read this. <laughs> oh, is it the? Um... It looks like it's giving me the live odds, not what the, oh, what the match bad. started that's weird. at. Okay, well, so. I think we're right on right on the ball there. Let's let's keep moving forward. And the last match in the Orchid Group um, that we have to look at here will be Ashley Barty, Caroline Garcia. Um, sounds like you would. You know, make Caroline Garcia a slight favorite spread. Yes, I would. Um, and I'll be interested to see how they're both playing and how the surface plays. But um, I just think she's got a little more tools in her toolbox. And sometimes I worry that um, you should be able to take advantage of, of Barty's backhand too much and just uh, be able to pound on that to, to be able to dictate each point. So uh, I favor Garcia. I'm going the other one. way. Give me Ashley Barty. Um, you know, the numbers, again, look look better for Barty than they do for Garcia. Um, as you'll see on the cheat sheet, the average rank faced pretty close. Garcia 67, Barty 75. So Barty a little lower class of talent, but not, nothing that I'm going to be too worried about is a difference there. Um, but what really excites me is, you know, the average game here, plus 2.4 for Barty, plus only 1.1 for Garcia. Um, and like I was talking about, I think of Ashley Barty as a much more mentally sound player, um, you know, nothing really in the head-to-head. Garcia to 
beat her the one time they played. It was a three-set match in Wuhan last year, 6-7-7-6-6-2. So, you know, a real battle and hard to take too much away from that definitively. But I would actually have Ashley Barty probably minus 120, minus 125. Yeah, I, I could see that. I, so I I'm hope you're right and I can get some plus money. And I, yeah. <laughs> so that'll be interesting to see which comes out on that one. I think that's the only one we were kind of way off on there. Um, and jumping into the last group, again, we've got the line for Annette Contivet and Elise Mertens that, Mertens that we talked about. So let's talk about Julia Gorgeous and Elise Mertens. What would you line that spread? Um, I'm going to go ahead and put Gorgeous at minus 160. I like that. I actually expected you to go with a little deeper number. I was expecting like minus 180 to come out of your mouth, but I think minus 160 is fair, and I, I could even actually support minus 170 or minus 180. Um, so you want to know a fun fact? This will be the first time really? that they've met up. No head-to-head. They have no head-to-head. Yeah. I, I would have not expected that for how, both how high, how ranked they are and you know, both being European huh. players. Well, that'll be well. interesting to see. That'll be certainly an exciting match. I expect that, to, you know, the winner of that to probably be the winner of that group. And I think Gorgeous takes care of Mertens pretty pretty comfortably. Um, and then the final match that we'll talk about here, Julia Gorgeous, Annette Contivate. Um, you sticking close to that 160 number or a little lighter? I'm going a little lighter there. I'll okay. go minus yeah, 140. Yeah, you like Annette Contivate a little better than I do. Um, yeah, I do. I don't know why. I think it's more potential than actual results. Okay. So. Maybe it's because when she looks good, she looks really good. Um, they've only played once. It was a hard court in Budapest in February of 2017. It was a three-set match. I don't really know yeah, what to take much. away from that. It was indoors, and that, that can kind of help. All right. Um, so to recap a little so. bit then, you know, we're kind of thinking the opposite ways about Elise Mertens and Annette Contivate. You know, you like Contivate a little better. I like Mertens a little better. Um, I like Barty a little better. You like Garcia a little better. But all in all, um, you know, I, I think we're, we're singing the same tune here. Um, so, any other thoughts here on uh, Zuhai? I mean, isn't this a fun tournament, though? The one thought I have that I thought we'd bring up, isn't it weird that, that they, the way they do it, though? It's almost like the, the runner-up tournament is right, second. Right, right, right. That's <laughs> you true. You know what I'm saying? Like, you would think, you know, for the typical, like, you know, build to the main event that they would have had this tournament last week. That. <laughs> and then, you know, <laughs> but um, I, honestly, I think this tournament is more intriguing um, from a, a spectator perspective, you know, just to, to see all these matchups and these matches. I mean, I think this is fantastic. I think this is a great way for us to end the year as WTA fans. Um, you know, with with the, the fun tournament in Singapore last week, and now we got this one. And like I said, all these matches, some of them we've never even seen before. And um, the cool thing about this one is you get the players that, you know, um, finish the year hot, you know, that we kind of wanted to see in Singapore. Well, we, they would have ended up taking out our eventual semifinalists, so maybe it's a good thing they didn't. Um, but, you know, Sabalenka, remember, we were really hoping that she was going to be able to dive into that Singapore um, field. But I'll tell you what, this might end up turning out better for her watching how that Singapore court played. Um, you know, instead she gets the chance to go in an indoor court here that's going to suit her much better. And the other one is uh, Wang. You know, she, she basically um, skyrocketed up the rankings and really, you know, uh, announced herself as a force to be reckoned with you know going into 2019 uh, over this Asian swing and like you said Kasatkina coming off her Super Bowl um, I mean it's just fun Let, uh, let's look there's three women coming in on, on, a, on a win streak right Garcia hasn't played since Tianjin which she won so, so she's not coming in off a loss Gorgeous is coming off a Luxembourg thing she won that tournament and Kasatkina is coming off Moscow so we have th- three players that won the last tournament they played in uh, coming into this this tournament here. So uh, overall, I think this is a fantastic way for us to end I totally year. agree. So I think that puts a nice little bow here on Zuhai. And we do actually have one other tournament this week. Um, we're not going to kind of do the full deep dive that we normally would, but there are some women, and they're playing in a smaller 125 event. Do you want to talk about Mumbai a little bit and maybe set the stage for a spread? Definitely. So what we have here is a 125K um, and it's in Mumbai, and you would think, okay, why is this going on? Well, a lot of these women are here because these points that they can earn are going to help them avoid the qualifying rounds in the Australian Open. So you will be getting good effort for most of the women. Most of the women, if they want to shut it down for the year, they don't bother showing up. So the women that are here should be motivated to try and get these points and, um, and help them avoid the qualifi- qualification rounds of the Australian Open. So... Um, 
it comes out to it's 160 points. So we've gone over the formats before. Um, remember the WTA internationals like Luxembourg, which Gorgas just won, are 280. Um, the premieres are, uh, you know, about 470, and 900, and 1,000. So 160 points, like I said earlier, is, is the equivalent of, of getting past uh, the round of 32 in a Grand Slam. So really not a bad uh, incentive here for these women to go ahead and try. Although one thing, and I could be wrong about this, I don't think that these matches go against their, go on their WTA records. So um, I think when you're pulling them up for the numbers, I don't know if a lot of these matches will make the numbers. Yeah, when we talked um, uh, before the podcast, it was it was a surprise. Um, you know, when I look at Flash Score, it's listed as a challenger event, but I have odds for it at my local book, and I never have challenger odds. It's listed as a 125,000 yeah. event, but it's... Uh, I don't know what it's anyway it's happening <laughs> we have a but yeah and anyways i actually think that without even doing a, a detailed handicap that there is a little value if you just want to go ahead and splash around on some of these futures so who do you like um and it's just some women yeah it's just some women that we've been supporting um throughout the year and not really um you know like i said we didn't really have time to do a detailed handicap i wasn't even prepared for the wta elite trophy as I wanted to be, but that was just because of the weird time the draw came out. But um, you have Zai Zai Zhang at plus 350, no interest there. Margarita Gasparian, who um, we've supported and has done very well for us at plus 800. Um, no interest in Habino at plus 1,000. But then you have Dalila uh, Jakubovic at plus 1,200, and that was my favorite one. Um, just looking at the draw, because I think that she has the easier half of the draw. And then the other two that, you know, if you want to splash around on and have some fun, uh, Kum Kum at plus 1,400 and uh, Olga Danilovich at plus 1,600. So these are all interesting options just for the value. I think I'll be throwing a uh, you know quarter unit or something on Jakupovic at plus 1,200 and Danilovich at plus 1,600. I think I'm totally on board there. I mean, the most interesting discovery was there's another Rudwanska. Who is this? You who is this? You Rudwanska? <laughs> I didn't know that there were more of them. Are they are they related? Spread? Do you know what's going on here? Hold on, let me see what the. Uh, I would have to look at Ursula. It up. <laughs> Ursula. Ooh, I like the way that's spelled. U R S Z U L A. Ursula Rudwanska. Wow, that was you know. It's and also playing in this tournament, we have a Sharapova, and I mean Sharipova, not a Sharapova. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> kind of confusing. I mean, there's just a lot of goofy things here. Um, and she is related to yeah, Aga. There you go. So she's a younger sister. You know um, she is 27 right now. And um, you know what's so crazy about women's tennis? She, <laughs> you know, we're just looking her up right now. She's won $1,894,000 in her career. Good for her. I mean. <laughs> that sounds, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's a lot of learning and honestly just a lot of weird things. So, again, the way I discovered this tournament was because I was slipping through my um, book just looking for some prices on things and all of a sudden there were these matches that I'd never seen before. And honestly, I, I don't know what kind of tournament this is, but um, a woman, uh, Grim let me try to say this. It is one of the longest names in the WTA. Uh, Grammatico Pulu, Paolo. And she's not bad, anyway, actually. She is regularly a pretty big underdog in WTA matches. She is minus 3,766 tomorrow. Right, and that's because she got a local wild card. Um, a lot of times on those wild cards, they just give them to people you know, that play tennis and are close. And I don't think that the woman she's playing... Um, goes on tour very often. I think she's kind of like a local player that they grabbed to just fill out the I'm tournament. not sure anybody should be a minus 3,766 favorite in a tennis match. <laughs> I can't even... I'm trying to remember if, like, has Roger Federer ever been that big of a favorite? Has Novak Djokovic ever been that big of a favorite? In a five-set match, like in a major, does Rafael Nadal minus 3,700? I've, I've seen Nadal on them at close to minus 4,000 in the first round okay. of the French. Okay, I'm trying to write. I'm trying to get some so. sort of frame of reference for how like this relatively <laughs> mediocre WTA player is just like, like uh, I mean honestly if I get a chance you know tomorrow morning I, I'm gonna try to wait and put maybe like just five dollars on whoever she's playing just out of pure principle but um, I'm telling you I think you're getting like a local club pro yeah I, <laughs> I, so, I don't think that yeah so I, what I would say to everyone is you know be careful this week if you bet in this tournament you're gonna see some names you recognize and some names you don't and some goofy numbers so you know tread lightly um you know circle 
going back to the handicap here a little bit. Jakupovic um, has a really nice draw. Her actual her toughest match, in my opinion, is her first match there against Kudermertova. But once she gets past her, she'd have no problem with the winner of Doi Sharapova. I expect Tabino to be there waiting in the third round. She's a decent player. But again, Jakupovic should be able to take care of her. So I'm on board there. I do like the two names you mentioned in the top half. Um, Lesia Kumkum and actually Olga Danilovic. Um, Danilovic, I don't think that you mentioned her. but um, No, I did. I'm, I'm putting outright on uh, did her. You? Okay, good. Yeah, so I'm... Plus 1600. Yeah, her at it's 1600. Placed. I placed it while we were talking. Good. Her, uh, her at 1600. Come, come at 1400. I like all three of those names, but I think that's just about all, all we have for Mumbai. Unless you have any other thoughts. No, that's about it. All right, so we're heading towards the top of the hour here. Um, I think that's just about all of it. You know, besides, of course, as always, we'd like to shout out to the formerly hardest working man in Canada, Jorge. Hopefully he's up there resting and recuperating. We look forward I to know, hearing I know. I thought we were going to get him back this week to, to, for a Spitalina's triumphant return. It would have it worked out well, but I think he's still recuperating. So hopefully um, we'll get him back. But we will have to, to um, commit to return. When, whenever he does return, we will revisit uh, Svitolina's Singapore uh, win because I don't think it would be um, complete without uh, him telling it, us, and especially me, um, how ill-advised I was for uh, for doubting his favorite player. And honestly, Spread, something just occurred to me. Um, did Ostapenko win an event this year? No. So Sabalenka's got two. Svitolina has <laughs> at least one or two, and you've got none. I have a wrist surgery. Um, Ostapenko news. Uh, her mom has announced she's not even going to play. She can't even pick up a racket for eight weeks because of the left wrist, which is why she actually is the one that allowed Shai Zai Zhang, you know, of our uh, earlier. It, it was her withdrawal that allowed her to get this wild card. Um, Ostapenko would have been here. Um, the left wrist is too much for her to handle. So I guess all that she's able to do right now is model because I've seen plenty of videos of her modeling back in Riga right now. But uh, hopefully she'll be back out on the tennis court and ready for the Australian Open. Yep, and just to make sure everyone's clear, and you know, one of the hardest things we have in the WTA is keeping track of who's who. Of course, Shui Zhang is playing this week in um, Zhuhai, and Sai Sai Zhang will be playing in Mumbai. So Ostapenko being out actually was good for Shui Zhang and her oh, shot at the me. wild card there. So <laughs> you know, got to always be very, very careful. You know, what A's, which are A's, and which are E's, and and all that stuff. So um, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, good luck and have a great week. Yep, good luck in all your wagers.